You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Friday edition. Some big news around the NFL this week and some breaking, some 49ers fans excited about a certain young superstar quarterback that could potentially be available maybe on the trade market i've got a couple shout outs to some colleagues on the locked on podcast network the guys doing the locked on texans show and a little excerpt from locked on packers featuring former 49er dante whitner and oh yeah some season awards for the 49ers it wasn't all bad in san francisco this year all pro fred officially becoming all pro fred Glad to be back with you all ending the week here and uh, what a fun offseason it's already begun to be. Uh, the 49ers are going to be involved in so many rumors I have a feeling this offseason which is going to make it a lot more fun and a lot more entertaining than maybe some past off seasons and probably more entertaining than the actual regular season was in San Francisco this year. If you don't know me I am Brian Peacock at BD Peacock on Twitter. That's where you need to hit me if you want to get involved in any of these mailbag shows that we'll be doing weekly throughout the offseason. You can also email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail, but Twitter's the best place, at BD Peacock. You can also find the show I co-host here on the network, covering the NFL daily, with co-host Matt Williamson, former college and pro scout, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Go there to find previews and breakdowns of all the upcoming games this weekend, and then come back again Monday for breaking down all of those games. We will keep in touch on this show as well with some of those playoff games and talk about some of those. Maybe my thoughts here at the end of the program on on who I think will win Saturday and Sunday's Super Wild Card, as they're calling it, weekend. A couple of quick nuggets that are breaking as I'm starting to record this podcast Friday afternoon, and uh, it's a big news day for former 49ers head coaches. Michigan football announcing that Jim Harbaugh is getting a contract extension as the head coach of the University of Michigan, which is quite surprising. I've been waiting for him to be announced that he was getting fired. He's been pretty bad, actually. Uh, And as rival OSU alum Chris Biederman, who covers the 49ers for the Sack B, points out, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, only 2-12 versus top 10 teams, 0-5 versus Ohio State, 0-4 in the last four bowl games. So I don't think things have gone the direction for UM football that they wanted to when they hired Jim Harbaugh, but somehow, I don't know, he's holding on to the job. I thought we might hear whispers this offseason about a Jim Harbaugh reunion with the NFL. Instead, we're hearing that about Urban Meyer maybe getting his first shot to head coach a team in the NFL. He will be interviewing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Very interesting there. And could that potentially shake up the top of the draft? I don't know. We'll find out. And one team fired two former 49ers head coaches. The Dallas Cowboys are moving on from defensive coordinator Mike Nolan and defensive line coach Jim Tom Sula. So looking for a different defensive staff for one of the worst defenses in the NFL this year in Dallas. And you know, it also makes the resume look a lot better for a former Cowboys defensive coach, Chris Richard who sat out last year because he didn't think he should be a position coach. He wanted to be a coordinator in the NFL. Will he get that shot this year and become a coordinator, or will he have to take a job as a defensive backs coach somewhere? But former 49ers player Chris Richard, he coached with Seattle, and he was a defensive coordinator for a time in Dallas, and they were better under Chris Richard than they were under Mike Nolan, potentially a dark horse candidate for a potentially vacant defensive coordinator job, or who knows, maybe defensive backs coach job 
with San Francisco if Robert Sala takes a few assistants with him if he does get a head coach job. Sala interviewing with a number of teams he either has or will be interviewing. We've talked about a few of them. There's, I think, a new team or two has been added to the list since last time we talked about it. Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons, New York Jets, I think, is a new one. Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Los Angeles Chargers as well. So five of six teams. I think the Houston Texans, the only team that hasn't requested to interview Robert Sala for their vacant head coach job this offseason. So yeah, he's gone. Sala's going to get a well-deserved head coach job. It's just a matter of which team offers it to him. And who knows, maybe multiple teams will offer him a, a job. Although there are a lot of candidates. There's still more candidates out there interviewing than there are jobs. So it's not a guarantee that the 49ers will lose Robert Sala. But it is likely Congratulations to Fred Warner, named to the Associated Press NFL All-Pro team for the first time. Fred Warner, nicknamed All-Pro Fred, now officially is an All-Pro. Not surprising to anybody who watched the 49ers this year. He's been a superstar player on their defense. Solid, spectacular, all of the above in the middle of the defense. Do-it-all player versus the run versus the pass. Not only do fans love him, uh, opposing teams love him. Aaron Rodgers saying, quote, the film don't lie when it comes to Fred Warner being the best linebacker in the NFL. Pro Football Focus had him graded as the top linebacker in the league and now becomes the first 49ers defender since Navarro Bowman in 2015 to be named to the all-pro team. Last year, George Kittle had the honor on the offensive side of the ball. So congratulations to Fred Warner, also a pro bowler this year, although there is no pro bowl and hopefully there never is again an actual game that is the pro bowl that's completely unnecessary and unwatchable. So what a great season, what a great career so far for the 49ers star linebacker Fred Warner. Uh, Some more congratulations, 49ers GM John Lynch again. Named a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll find out in February at the Super Bowl. Or day before the Super Bowl, is it? I don't know. Sometime early February. I think it's at the Super Bowl. They're all together and the dude comes by and knocks on your door. If you're an inductee into the Hall of Fame, then the inductions actually happen. The Hall of Fame game in the summer. Hopefully we're all able to get together and and be in a building and watch football games in a stadium at that point. We'll see. But congratulations again to John Lynch for being a finalist. We'll see if this time he actually gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A clear snub on that list, though, Patrick Willis is not a finalist. I think he'll eventually be a finalist. I get the feeling Patrick Willis isn't going to go in, even though he was the best at his position, which is usually what the Hall of Fame is for when you were the best at your position, which is why I hate the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame's trash. Let's stop talking about it. Put Roger Craig in, too, and then come talk to me. You know, the next topic that is going to be the next segment of this show, it's an important topic because it's very fun and it's what the offseason's all about, even if it's... Uh, as Matt Williamson, my co-host, said today on the Peacock and Williamson show, it's fantasy land. It's not going to happen. Start with that. Deshaun Watson may request a trade. Let's get into that idea. Deshaun Watson, future 49er? It's been a huge part of the news cycle around the NFL for the last 24 hours. Does it have legs? We'll get into that next. You know, the weather's getting a lot colder, a lot more wet, even in California, if that's where you happen to live and be listening to this podcast. Keep your family safe, keep your car on the road, even if it's just a minor thing like windshield wiper blades. First rain of the season hits and you realize, oh yeah, my wiper blades don't work really at all. And you can't see anything. 
you, you can change them in five seconds. Go order some new, go to rockauto.com right now, order some new wiper blades. Family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Rockauto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The website is no nonsense. I love it. Their catalog is huge. Quickly find all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. And those prices, by the way, always reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection at reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. I'll give you my picks for this weekend's Playoff games at the end of this podcast, looking at the betonline.ag lines. And it's not only betting on the games, you got over-unders, all the standard stuff. There's tons of awesome futures to bet on, which I think are my favorite to bet on. I think you get an edge. At least I feel like I have an edge when it comes to the NFL draft, where players might be drafted, where coaches might land around the NFL. You've got prop bets on all of the upcoming games this weekend. College football national championship game. The NBA season is underway. You can find all of it. Get in on the action with Bet Online. Win yourself a little bit of money. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner. At betonline underscore ag on Twitter to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Betonline.ag. Deshaun Watson, what the hell is going on in Houston? According to Pro Football Talk, say what you want about PFT, but there's numerous reports out there. Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, kind of echoing the same thing. So there's some smoke here. A growing buzz in league circles that Deshaun Watson could ask to be traded and his new contract doesn't make that as difficult as you think. That is from Pro Football Talk. Ian Rappaport saying, Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson is extremely unhappy with the organization after owner Cal McNair informed him he would be involved in the GM and coaching hiring process and provide feedback but then didn't either in the hire of GM Nick Casario, sources say. Deshaun Watson has not spoken to Texans brass in the last few days, though they have tried to call him. And it would seem that Deshaun Watson himself is publicly a little bit upset, according to the guys, and I didn't see this while it was live, but Deshaun Watson tweeted, then deleted, quote, some things never changed after they hired Nick Casario, That tweet, coincidentally, was liked by J.J. Watt. It's the era we're living in now. Who's liking what tweet? And that tweet has been deleted, but Deshaun Watson clearly unhappy. He's on vacation, so maybe he wouldn't be returning people's calls anyway. J.J. Watt gave a big passionate speech a couple weeks ago after a Texans loss, really kind of crushing the organization too. So a lot unhappy about what's going on there over the last couple years. A feeling that has grown stronger recently. Listening to Locked On Texans today, I was curious to hear Cody Davis and John Hickman, the hosts there, hear their take on it. And and it's really funny because it's clear to them, this isn't like, and you didn't hear one time during the podcast where it was like, okay, well, let's see, what would the Texans get in trade for Deshaun Watson? No, 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 no. The focus is, let's 
get this right with Deshaun Watson and go forward. Like they're not even looking. That's not even an idea. And I think that that's the idea in the organization too. There. And first of all, he hasn't officially publicly or privately declared that he wants to be traded yet. He's just in upset mode right now, according to reports, but there's buzz around the league, whatever that means that uh, he could request to be traded. You think having a young superstar quarterback wasn't one of the big draws for Nick Casario to join the Texans organization. You don't trade a 25-year-old superstar quarterback that's one of the top, what, five QBs in the NFL? You just don't do it. That's that's not a smart practice. It really, I can't think of, has that ever been done? I can't think of a time. At the top of his game, young superstar quarterback, that is gold. That's so much more valuable than going back into the draft, even if you have three picks in the first round to try to find that guy. Maybe you draft a quarterback, probably not as good. But it definitely has legs as far as, Deshaun Watson being upset, and I could see why. I could see why J.J. Watt is like, what the hell is going on here? This isn't what I signed up for. Watson finds out, like the rest of us on social media, that the team is hiring Nick Casario as GM, even though ownership told him that he would be involved in the process. Just like he found out on social media that the team was trading away his top receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, in the offseason. It's bad for business. Losing the guys who have 20-foot-tall posters hanging in the stadium. Jersey numbers everywhere in the stands. Organizational building blocks from the past 24 months or so. Former number one overall pick, Jadavion Clowney, gone. Didn't get much in return for him. DeAndre Hopkins, terrible trade. Everyone saw that coming. The second it happened, it's like, what are you thinking? What are you doing there? At least if you're going to trade a guy like that, don't just do it on a whim. Get something back. And then Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. I mean, J.J. Watt's gone too, right? If you're going to trade Deshaun Watson, why would you hold on to J.J. Watt? J.J. Watt might be gone anyway. But it's funny that they're not asking, hmm, what can we get for Deshaun Watson on the Locked On Texans show? Like we will be saying, who, what can we give up for Deshaun Watson, right? So that tells you uh, all you need to know right there that even if, even if the door was cracked open a little bit and Nick Casario says, okay, irreparable relationship, let's listen to offers and see what's out there. Maybe we will even trade him to the highest bidder. That bid would have to be astronomical. It hurts so much to lose someone like Deshaun Watson for a franchise. It would absolutely have to hurt to give up what it would take to get him into your organization. But we'll still do that. We'll still go through the exercise. Why not, right? That's that's what's fun about all this. And real quick, before we get into the hypotheticals, what could the 49ers give up? Could they even get Deshaun Watson? What could other teams give up? There's no trade clauses involved in all of this. Uh, real quick, here's... A clip from Texans owner Cal McNair speaking about this, making a statement in response to, I'm sure, a massive outcry from Texans fans going like, what the blank is going on right now? I've come to understand that it's been reported that Deshaun feels left out of the process, that he and I had several visits, and I understood his point of view before meeting with candidates. I've reached out to Deshaun about Nick's hire, and I look forward to him getting back to me when he returns from his vacation. Solid job reading the teleprompter by Cal McNair there. Yeah, and, and Watson is on vacation, so maybe he's not going to be the quickest to get back to anybody here. But I think that's pretty clear why he has not been getting back about such uh, an important topic surrounding his own organization. And we haven't heard from Nick Casario yet. I'm sure we will. And there will be a press conference, and that will be the number one thing he's going to talk about. And what he's going to say is, Deshaun's the guy. We're building around Deshaun Watson Period. End of discussion. And hopefully for Houston Texans fans, 
Casario Watson can get down. They can figure out a plan. He likes the head coach, and they're onward and going forward. But if not, what about the potential of Deshaun Watson potentially landing with your San Francisco 49ers? However unlikely, what would it take? What would that look like? How would that happen? And while it is extremely, extremely unlikely, I guess it's technically not impossible. I've seen some people say, oh yeah, give them two first round picks. I mean, that's not even close. That's what they gave up for Laramie Tunsil. That's like essentially trading Laramie Tunsil for Deshaun Watson, right? It's going to cost a lot more than that. And you're talking about the 12th pick in the draft for the 49ers. You might be fighting people who have the one, two, three pick in the NFL draft, which is almost worth double. It's almost worth two first rounders compared to what the number 12 pick is, right? Takes two first rounders to get up from 12 to three anyway, and more. So pick number three is like having two first rounders already from the 49ers. So that's what would make it so much more difficult for the 49ers to outbid people. It would take a combination of no trade clauses. Both Jimmy Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson have no trade clauses. Would Deshaun Watson say, no, I don't want to get traded to the Jaguars or the Jets? And then the 49ers would have to be willing to give up a whole bunch still And Jimmy Garoppolo would have to say, okay, I'll waive my no-trade clause to go play with new head coach Josh McDaniels, if that's who gets hired. And Nick Casario would have to love Jimmy Garoppolo from their days together in New England. I guess that's not an insane thing to think. I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo would waive a no-trade clause to go play with an empty organization all all of a sudden with maybe some draft picks, but with not a lot of good players and start over there would... Jimmy Garoppolo, put yourself in Jimmy G's shoes. Would you want to waive your no-trade clause to go play in a place where the, their current quarterback doesn't even want to play? So there's so many difficult hurdles for some of this. And obviously, you could trade Jimmy G somewhere else, maybe that he does want to go, say New England, use that pick as part of a trade package to get Deshaun Watson. But even if Houston entertained the idea, San Francisco, I'm not sure they would even have the ammunition. Think about what those teams can give up. Let's say the Jaguars are like, yeah, we would give up a ton, but we also kind of just wanted. It's a lot easier and cheaper if we just draft Trevor Lawrence number one. So let's say the Jaguars don't want to do it. The Jets would absolutely be down for that, I'm sure. Would Deshaun Watson waive his no-trade clause? I don't know. How bad does he want out of New York? Or how bad does he want out of Houston? New York's a big city. I mean, you could have a big market career there in New York if you're Deshaun Watson. You start winning, and I, I like their GM, Joe Douglas. I like actually where that thing could go potentially in New York. Is that a better situation than Houston? Maybe. The Jets can give the number two overall pick, which I mentioned, it would take at least two first rounders for the 49ers to trade up from 12 to two. So that's worth two 49ers first if they gave up their 21 and 22 first rounders just for the number two pick from the Jets, where again, Houston could draft a superstar player or trade down and and add more picks and turn it into four first round picks, you know, turn Watson into maximum value. The Jets have two first rounders already anyways this year, so they could give up number two and number 27 in the first round this year, which is The equivalent of the 49ers essentially giving up three first-round picks because it'll be a late pick next year, like 27. So the 49ers 2022 pick is worth about what the Jets' number 27 overall pick is worth this year. And I already mentioned that number two pick for the Jets is worth as much. So that's three first-round pick values for the 49ers giving up versus what the Jets could give up just by giving up their two first-rounders this year. Then the Jets could also go a future first as well. They have other extra picks that they could give up. So, I mean, the Jets can just put a much better better draft pick package together for Houston. Would Watson be willing to go there? Maybe he says no to that. Okay, what about Miami? Miami just won 10 games. They have the number three pick in the draft. Miami could say, okay, here's a good, young, cheap quarterback in Tua. 
plus the number three overall pick, plus they have extra firsts. They could give a future first up. So those are just hard offers to beat. If you're in San Francisco and you really have to outbid teams, you would have to be willing to give up uh, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Fred Warner. Jimmy G would have to waive the no trade clause and Casario and whoever the head coach is would have to love Jimmy Garoppolo and be cool with that and consider that a huge asset. So, I mean, there's just so many things that would have to happen, including Deshaun Watson, probably making it so the teams that could outbid the 49ers being teams he would say no to and utilizing his no trade clause and the Niners still giving up enough that the Houston Texans would say, okay, more than likely what would happen is the Texans would find the best offer, present it to Watson, even if they're willing to listen to offers, which they might not be. And if Watson doesn't like it, he has some leverage with the no trade. He has some leverage with the being a superstar player, but not that much leverage. It's not like the NBA with moving stars around from team to team. His leverage is, right now, his leverage is, I'm unhappy, I'm asking for a trade. And the answer is like, cool, we'll take that under advisement, but no. But he can say, okay, I'm going to hold out. And then all of a sudden in July when training camp opens, Deshaun Watson's not there. Then the big one is when the season starts. Would Deshaun Watson say, okay, I don't want to play anywhere but this one place. If you don't trade me there, I'm not going to play for you. Is he really going to sit out and lose paychecks that are actually starting to get very big now? Those paychecks are going to grow quite a bit for Deshaun Watson. Is he going to sit there and say, no, I'm going to sit out and lose these paychecks? It's possible. But that's the leverage he has, and that would have to be a long, ugly offseason for it to go all the way around to September to play out the way. Then, obviously, the 49ers would have already had to make some decisions on their current quarterback situation and maybe draft somebody already. So it's really hard for me to envision that all to play out in a way that Deshaun Watson could get out and convince them to trade him before the draft. It just, it just seems so unlikely that they would trade him, period. And if they did, it seems so unlikely that it would be the 49ers that could give the biggest package. But again, it could be a flexing of no trade clauses, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo having some value to the New England South that they're putting together there, the Patriot way in Houston that seems to be coming, even though they kind of already did have the Patriot way that didn't work for them, which is another thing I don't really get with them going back to that well again. And it would still hurt quite a bit for the offer, the the package the 49ers would have to put together. And it might have to be a superstar current player for the 49ers going the other way. And in the end, you know, it would probably be worth it for the 49ers. Even if you have to, I mean, Deshaun Watson's way more valuable than Nick Bosa. As awesome as it is to have Nick Bosa on your team when healthy, right? But he's coming off an ACL now and quarterback is just more valuable. It trumps it, period. In fact, how about this? We'll end with this notion. And I want to hear from you on Twitter, at BDPeacock, or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. The 49ers in the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era have drafted six first-round players. In 2017, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster. 2018, it was Mike McGlinchey. 2019, Nick Bosa. 2020, it was Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. Six first-round draft picks. They might together not be as valuable as one Deshaun Watson. It's insane to think. And I don't know that I wouldn't trade them all. Hit me up at BD Peacock. Would you trade all of the Lynch Shanahan era first round draft picks for one Deshaun Watson? That's six first rounders. And it's not that crazy. That's how valuable this is. So if they're willing to listen, I'm not sure you can overpay for what value someone like Deshaun Watson 
could bring to your organization. And the Houston Texans know this, which is why they probably won't even start listening to offers because it would take an insane offer. But maybe if they do get that insane offer, maybe they have to listen. So we'll find out. This, I'm sure, this story will not go away. And if it doesn't go away, we'll continue talking about it here on the show. Next up, let's hear from Dante Whitner talking about how to beat Aaron Rodgers. And he has some 49ers nuggets in there as well. Coming up on Locked On 49ers. It's really not a bad time to enjoy a built bar, but one of the best ways you can do it is if you're in your car a lot, if you have a long commute, you want to derail any diet, pull through the drive-thru off the road and have that burger and fries. What, a thousand calories? Just have a built bar. 130 calories, protein, 17 grams that will tide you over. I guarantee that will tide you over. Have a built bar. They taste fantastic. So you will look forward to eating one. And it will tide you over and it will give you that protein and it will help you out if you need to do some heavy lifting, whether it's figuratively or literally later. If you're doing a workout or if you're golfing, slip one in your golf bag. Perfect time to have a built bar to start the back nine. You'll feel good about it. It's not heavy and who knows, might even improve your golf game. Built bars are high in protein, high in fiber, but low calorie, low sugar and covered in 100% real delicious chocolate. Soft and easy to chew, Built Bar is great for the health-conscious folks out there. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And best of all, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get 20% off with promo code LOCKEDON. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order of Built Bars. I know he's a host that you love to hate from last year's playoff run. We talked to multiple times with the 49ers playing the Packers. The host of Locked On Packers, Peter Bukowski, sent me uh, his interview with former 49er Dante Whitner. Uh, he joined Peter on Locked On Packers. You can check out the whole interview, but Peter sent me this excerpt of the conversation that is really interesting, not only from a perspective of the current playoffs and defending Aaron Rodgers, but calling back to his 49ers days and what made some of those defenses so good under Vic Fangio, and the boost an athletic quarterback could give Kyle Shanahan's offense. That too high look uh, with two man is something that that Vic Fangio took to Chicago. It's something that the Rams are now running in L.A. It's something that college teams are using to slow down some of these spread offenses. Why do you think more teams are not playing some of those concepts that have shown to be effective against the kind of offenses that right now are just tearing up the league. Because they don't have guys in the box who are really grown men that can take over two gaps, defensive linemen and defensive ends that can play two multiple gaps, and you don't have two inside linebackers who are all pros who can get off of right. offensive guards and centers and make tackles, run sideline to sideline. And another thing that we used to do is... Bowman and Willis though, is, a nice, is a nice combination to have. Absolutely. Even though... We would show a lot of too high concept and a lot of two safeties deep, man underneath. We had a variety of different coverages that we played from that same look, whether we would rotate down and play a three buzz, which is the safety inserting as the linebacker to the strength, and he has a zone responsibility, but he can play that from a deep look. You can play two man from that look. You can play quarters from that look. If they give us a three by one, which is three receivers to one side, one receiver to the other, the backside safety that's to the single receiver side, if there's a threat at number three, oftentimes we would get that safety from the backside to come over number three and take him vertical. And then sometimes we would play games with Aaron Rodgers. It's chess out there. 
okay, so he understands zone mm-hmm. alignment from the linebacker sam- standpoint, right? So if you have five, say you have um, two wide receivers in the slot, and we have Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, and they're aligned on him, automatically Aaron Rodgers assumes zone because he's thinking there's no way in hell that we have our best receivers in the slot <laughs> and they have these linebackers over the top of it. We know they're not playing man. So guess what? They would run zone concepts, and we would have our linebackers actually playing man on those guys. So you have to beat him playing chess sometimes and do things that are uncharacteristic of other defenses, but you have to do that to affect him. He's one of the greatest. Yeah, and and do you think, I mean, you go back to the, the first matchup with Tampa Bay this year, and the Packers could see Tampa Bay uh, in the second round of the playoffs if the Bucks win and the Seahawks win. Are there through lines that you can draw with some of these teams that have given Rodgers problems? I mean, your your defense, the 49ers defense from last year, this Tampa Bay defense this season? Yes, that Tampa Bay defense is a high-pressure, high-impact defensive system. Um, they have disguise built into their coverages earlier in the season. They'll show single high, making you think that the outsides and the seams of the defense is open, and then they'll rotate over the top playing some sort of two-trap, two-man. So they do have that in their repertoire. So I think that if anybody could give the Packers defense with being able to deceive Aaron Rodgers, being able to get home with the front four, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Anybody else in the NFC, they don't have the front four. They don't have the capabilities and a disguise built into the defense. Because you have to understand, Aaron Rodgers has seen everything. So he's basically reading your nickelback. He's reading the foot position of your nickelback, the placement. Is he outside? Is he inside? If he's outside, it's single high. If he's inside, it's some type of two concept or two man concept. He's reading the outside um, depth of your corners. If your your corners are somewhere around eight nine yards, he knows you're playing single high. So everybody has to be in tune with what he's looking at. You have to be good actors. You have to be good actors with your eyes and your mannerisms to affect a quarterback as great as Aaron Rodgers. Speaking of quarterbacks. Uh, I think all Packer fans will have the image from 2012. It was the 2013 year, but 20 it was the 2012 season of Colin Kaepernick putting distance between Charles Woodson in that playoff game. How many how many teams could Colin Kaepernick start for right now? Any of the teams that are running this college hybrid offense where it's predicated on having a quarterback that can move around, being that extra guy that hold guys on the edge pulling the ball out, running run-pass options, right? This is the same offense that Colin Kaepernick actually started in the National Football League those years that we were making the runs deep in the playoffs into the Super Bowl. So he could actually play on any of these offenses, including Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco, if they would only give him an opportunity. Yeah, and and you actually played... I had forgotten this until I went back in and uh, was doing a little research on you. I forgot that you had played for Mike Patton in Cleveland. Yeah, played for Mike Patton in Cleveland. Mike Patton is a feast or famine type of guy. He wants to affect the quarterback. He wants to affect line count. He wants to confuse your offensive line. So what he likes to do is he'll show three or four guys to the left, right, and teach them how to be good actors, how to be good with their eyes, how to be good with their body mannerisms, and he'll show you hey, yes, we're deceiving the quarterback. We want the ball to go here. And the next thing you know, the blitz is coming from the right. Guys are dropping out, playing seam flat, hook three, and your quarterback is on the ground with a concussion, right? So that's how Mike Pettin <laughs> plays it. He's coming after your quarterback. He doesn't really care about yards. 
He understands he has to go after the head of the snake. The quarterback is the head of the snake, and he's going to do everything he can do to affect you, the quarterback, and the offensive line. One of the things that the the Packers players said about Mike Patton when he first got into town was accountability. And that was something that they felt like had been lacking there. And then Preston and Zedaria Smith show up a year later and they raved about him and the communication skills there. What is it about him as a coach and the way that he relates to his players that you think has his guys go? He he makes sure that we're going to be accountable, but also make sure that if we have an issue, we can come talk to him because Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, they went to Mike Patton about a month and a half ago and said, hey, we need to change the way we're doing some things here. And they did it. That's the true definition of a player coach. I can recollect times in Cleveland when we were tied for first in the division. I think everybody in the division was eight and four, I believe. And then we get a call from upstairs and they say, hey, put Johnny Manziel in the game. Take Brian Hoyer out. And Mike Pettin and those guys had to come to us as players and pretty much say, hey, they're throwing the season. And, you know, it's hard. That's hard. You're scrambling at that point. When the offense can't produce points, you know Johnny Manziel is out there and he shouldn't be out there. What do you tell your defense? He came up with every type of blitz, every type of, you know, scheme to try to keep us in these football games and win. He would bring guys into his office and say, hey, we don't care about what's going on with the other side of the ball. What do you think like we need to do better? as individuals and collectively as coaching staff and as a team to get this shit turned. And players will call things out, and guess what? We would step on the football field on Sunday, and you would see him actually try to implement those changes and those calls on the defense. So he understands that this game is played by the players and it's not played by the coaches. And if you're not a player's coach, eventually your guys will turn on you and they won't play for you. So that's why he's the way that he is, and that's why I have so much respect for Mike Pettit. Do you think if you came into the league today, given the way that you played and and the, the things that you did well, that they would have you playing something more like money back or linebacker now than, than true safety? Yeah, I believe so. And, you know, I don't know how I would be able to translate and play today, you know, with the big hits and, you know, not being mm-hmm. able to play a physical style of football. Like, what do I do? Right? Like, what's my identity? (laughs) Really, what's my identity if I'm playing in today's NFL? To hit you low as hard as I possibly can? I don't think that puts a lot of fear into people. And and football has a a fear aspect that's actually missing from the game right now. So a lot of these times you see guys like Diggs and receiver from Buffalo, and they run across the field and get up and and given the first down marker. That never would have happened a couple years ago. These guys were frightened to step into the middle of the right. football field. And now you change the rules, everybody's tough, right? So I don't know how I would be able to translate over. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of fun out of the game. And I think it takes something out of the game for the fans as well. That's a huge part of the big hits. Yeah, Dante Whitner, a.k.a. Hitner. He would get flagged so fast in today's NFL, get kicked out of games. Uh, his career would last about two quarters, I think in the NFL right now. That is definitely not the style of play that the the league is going toward. Thinking back to that knockout blow versus New Orleans and running back Pierre Thomas during the Bounty Gate game, that would not fly anymore. Whitner actually is becoming, though, one of my favorite analysts uh, locally that covers the 49ers. So I hope his coverage continues, and I hope to have him on the show very soon to look at the 2021 building of the 49ers going forward. 
But uh, I loved hearing him talk about playing in Cleveland, which incidentally was uh, in 2014, the year that Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there. His perspective of the Johnny Manziel debacle in Cleveland that year. Another aspect, though, of athletic quarterbacks that Whitner touches on there, his point about Kyle Shanahan's offense that goes overlooked. Imagine Kyle's running game with essentially an extra blocker with the threat of run by the quarterback. That quarterback holds the one defender just a little bit longer. Imagine having numbers plus one versus what the 49ers are already able to do in the running game on top of the actual runs by that quarterback and those plays. I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants necessarily to run a pistol all day or anything like that or run what he did with RG3 his rookie year in Washington. But the league is changing. I think Kyle recognizes that. I think he's probably recognized that from playing against some really athletic quarterbacks. If he can find a quarterback who can run the rest of his offense efficiently, make downfield throws on top of that, uh, you know, bigger throws, bigger plays, make some plays out of structure a little bit when the thing is not there, and then have that athletic ability on top of it, I think Shanahan would absolutely be into that, and it could take his offense to another level. But he won't, and probably shouldn't, in a lot of ways, throw away his base principles. No, he definitely shouldn't do that, and I don't think he wants to, which is what makes it so hard to evaluate college quarterbacks and why he settled on C.J. Beathard in 2017, because he was able to see it, with Iowa being one of the few teams that still ran a pro-style, quote-unquote pro-style system in college. It was an easier evaluation for Kyle to say, oh yeah, okay, I can see him running some similar base concepts, rather than trying to watch a guy and see somebody who's in shotgun all day long. So it's just an interesting nugget, just another interesting aspect of this offseason. And uh, it was just fun hearing Dante Whitner. So I wanted to play that for you guys. And hopefully I'll have Dante Whitner on to talk a little bit more about the 49ers past, present, and future this offseason. There is some more guests to come on Locked On 49ers next week. Going to start doing some self-scouting. Go back and look position group by position group at the 49ers, what the needs are, what the 49ers should do when they're formulating their off-season plan in 2021. We'll talk some playoff football as well right here, Locked On 49ers.